Thank you for downloading this podcast by Sheikh Ridwan Ibn Salim. For more podcasts, videos and articles, go to civilizations.org.uk. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. So first of our um, new series of uh, book reviews, hopefully that we'll be doing. Um, I wanted to talk today about a book that I read recently, um, tell you a bit about this book uh, called A Very British Muslim Activist by a guy called uh, Jonathan, sorry, Scott Jordan. And uh, it's all about the life of uh, Ghiasuddin Siddiqui. Now, Ghiasuddin Siddiqui was one of the most prominent uh, British Muslim activists um, during the 80s and 90s and 2000s. And um, he's still alive, uh, I believe, um, lives in Chesham. Why did I uh, get this book and where did I find this book? Well, to be honest, I can't remember exactly where I got this book from, but it was lying on my shelf for a while. Um, I think for the last, you know, few couple of years I've been thinking about um, activism uh, amongst the Muslim community in this country and, you know, the fact that we're several million uh, Muslims in this country with the largest uh, minority but uh, is it uh, reflected in the amount of influence and power that we hold within this society and um, especially I think you know thinking about those sort of Muslims in this country you know our generation the younger generation uh, many that were um, influenced by what they're now calling traditional Islam people like Sheikh Hamza and so on you know a lot of a lot of us were quite encouraged into going to studying Islam and so on but then I wonder if uh, there was anything that came after the studies for some people was there any activism was there any efforts to change one's society, to change one's community, to influence the wider Muslim community in Britain and even globally? Or were these people really deactivated in some ways, if that's the correct word to use? Anyway, so I was thinking about these things and it would be important to read up a bit about um, those Muslims that were in our community that were very active in recent years and decades and what their experiences were and so on. So um, I think the book's, book was lying around on my shelf for some time and then I had a few days off work and I decided to have a look at it and I read it um, and it was a very worthwhile uh, read I think. Um, the author Scott Jordan is a, an American guy. Um, I think he's maybe a journalist or something. Anyway, he came. He was introduced in this country, and uh, he was um, encouraged to do this uh, book to write the biography of Riyasuddin Siddiqui. He went and lived with Riyasuddin Siddiqui uh, for a while and interviewed many people in, who are involved in this uh, story. And he says that you know his intention was just to write the story. Uh, about the life of Riyasuddin Siddiqui, not to make any sort of, you know, sociological or anthropological 
type of uh, critique of it or anything. Um, so yeah, it's literally just um, uh, a telling of his life and so on, which is what I really wanted anyway. And um, however, the author does tend to go on a few tangents where he starts talking a lot about his own ideas and opinions about the situation of British Muslims and so on. Uh, some of that can be quite interesting, some of it can, to be honest, be a little bit of a tangent and I actually had to skip a few pages at one point where he went on to a long one, uh, long rambling of his own. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, you can get out of the book what you need to. I was particularly interested in, um, as I said, you know, that history, that part of our very recent history, because Ghiasuddin Siddiqui was involved in setting up of the Muslim Parliament of Britain, in the Halal Food Authority, which was uh, quite a sort of a breakthrough um, type of uh, initiative uh, in terms of the Muslim community in Britain and in the West generally. And uh, also, you know, just to um, understand the psychology of such people, because the interesting thing, you know, these sort of people that are very active and, um, you know, they're, not everyone has that. and. Uh, so, you know, for example, when Ghiasuddin uh, Siddiqui was a young man in Pakistan studying in university, um, there's a story once when he came across a woman uh, who was uh, just in the street and she was crying, very distressed, and he asked her what's wrong, and she said her husband had died and there was no one, she had no one to help to do arrange for the funeral and things like that, and her husband was Hindu. She had no one to help to cremate him. So Ghiasuddin Siddiqui immediately, uh, you know, took it upon himself. He went back to university, got some of his friends together, told them about the problem. They all got together. They got the, you know, the help to get the body to the nearest Hindu temple. Uh, and then they had it cremated and, and everything was done according to the religious ceremonies and so on. So it just shows how um, these, these, these sort of people, they're quite a rare breed of people who it seems to be almost in their blood you know this idea this sort of they take they take on the problems when they see problems or they take they when they see injustice uh, they 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 are they are sort of active you know they they have this um they have this uh, compulsion to do something about it and not only that is they they then also activate other people you know he goes back he gets his group of friends at university he goes to the Hindu temple, he, he, he motivates the priest and everyone to get things going. So these sort of people, not only they, they feel that injustice themselves, they also then uh, are able to get other people enthused and working and uh, getting things done. So it's fascinating, you know, um, what, what gives people this type of drive uh, from such an early age. Anyway. Later on, Ghiasuddin Siddiqui comes to England um, as a student initially, but he ends up settling down in England and stays there for the rest of his life. Uh, and um, during his time at university, when he's doing his PhD, he attends a lecture in one of the London University Islamic Societies, a lecture by Dr. Kalim Siddiqui. Uh, both their names are Siddiqui, but they're not related. Um, and he, Dr. Kalim Siddiqui is really one of those people of very prominent um, 
one of one of the very prominent British Muslims as well of that period and Khiyasuddin um, uh, listens to the lecture and becomes very um, becomes uh, quite inspired by the speaker who's speaking about the oppression of Muslims around the world and he's talking about uh, Islamic revolutions and Islamic states don't forget this is the days before uh, 9-11 when it was still, uh, you know, people were still talking about these things without feeling paranoid that you're going to be labelled a terrorist or anything like that. And um, so he, you know, he's listening to this and then he becomes uh, very inspired and he, he meets up with uh, Dr. Kalim Sadiqi and they uh, form a lifelong uh, relationship, friendship. And Ghiasuddin Sadiqi uh, becomes his right hand man, really. In uh, you know, which carries on for uh, you know um, several decades, um, and they go through um, setting up a lot of these things together. The Muslim Institute. Uh, they work on this uh, magazine, news magazine, news and political analysis magazine, Crescent International. Uh, later on, they set up the Muslim Parliament of Britain, and um, so on. So. Ghiasuddin uh, Sadiqi is pretty much uh, working very closely with Dr. Kalim Sadiqi. Kalim Sadiqi is really the sort of um, the leader, the um, the thinker, the visionary. Um, and uh, you know he needs Ghiasuddin as well because uh, these visionaries and leaders they need. Uh, the people that are enthusiastic and uh, and active around them to help them. So the um, interesting, slightly funny things is, you know, uh, the book describes how Ghiasuddin lives in Chesham. Uh, Chesham, if some of you may know, uh, a nice, quiet, quite affluent village on the uh, just outside the suburbs of uh, London, in the Cotswolds where people like David Cameron and these guys live. Um, a very picturesque uh, and comfortable um, English uh, suburb, village. And um, Kalim Sadiqi lived in Slough, you know, one of the, once again, one of the outskirts, outskirt towns of London in his uh, suburban semi-detached. So, you know, it's sort of like the author's sort of, you know, picking up on that sort of slightly, not comical, but slightly funny scene of these guys, you know, um, living in their suburban uh, houses, drinking their cups of tea and samosas and, and planning the Islamic revolutions. Um, interestingly, the other thing is, you know, um, as things develop, um, they set up the Muslim Parliament of Britain, and the idea is what I was talking about earlier. Really, you know, very similar um, to some of the things that I'd been thinking about myself. Like, so their idea was, how can we give Muslims in Britain a voice? How can we harness the power of the British Muslim community? Because in some ways, uh, Muslims in Britain are placed, uh, because we are in Britain, 
we have a unique place within the global society, uh, a unique place of of uh, ability to influence not just things in Britain but also for Muslims around the world and how can that that uh, community be mobilized, organized and directed towards uh, being able to uh, exercise this influence and power that is potentially there but not being realized and so this was you know this was their um, thinking and what they were trying to achieve as well and so the Muslim Parliament of Britain I think was quite a phenomenal um, initiative because it really um, it really created a lot of interest amongst Muslims and non-Muslims around Britain and around the world the British government noticed it you know they they noticed it because Kalim Sadiqi and these guys had already become quite prominent with their um, activism and work but you know to set up something called a Muslim Parliament of Britain that's that the, the name in itself was carefully chosen and it has an impact itself um, so the, the the British government in order to counteract this potential uh, representative body of Mus British Muslims the British government acted and it set up an alternative body uh, it sponsored the setting up of the Muslim Council of Britain uh, with uh, precisely that uh, task that it should uh, you know be an alternative it should sideline the Muslim Parliament of Britain which was out of the control of the British government and that was not something that they wanted to tolerate uh, I'm going to, in my next book review, talk about more about Kalim Sadiqi and the Muslim Parliament of Britain. Um, so, anyway, for now, just to say another, uh, then the book goes on to describe how, after Dr. Kalim Sadiqi passed away, Rahmullah, um, the leadership of the Muslim Parliament of Britain went to Ghiasuddin Sadiqi. Um, and as uh, you know very interesting how things then panned out as often happens when you have a very strong visionary or or say charismatic leader um, after his death uh, uh, gradually the the organization unraveled really and slowly disintegrated um, due to differences and conflicts within the trustees of the organization and so on so eventually the Muslim Parliament of Britain died and is no more um, out of interest I looked up uh, you know some of the other things like Crescent International the um, magazine that they that the Siddiqis were using during the 70s 80s and 90s and, and had become a very effective tool it is still around online um, but obviously not 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 has the prominence that it had at that time uh, so yeah that's it really I think um, it was an interesting read um, especially for us to understand uh, about this recent history of the of the of the presence of Muslims in Britain 
and um, things have moved on a lot in the last you know 10 20 years since that time September 11th 2001 was a massive shift in uh, the situation of Muslims generally in the West but the Muslim community in Britain has moved on a lot it's matured um, the situation is quite different but it's very important to um, learn from the experience of those generation before us and what they did and what they went through so we can learn from that as well and uh, help us to understand uh, our situation today Thank you for downloading this podcast by Sheikh Ridwan Ibn Salim. For more podcasts, videos and articles, go to civilizations.org.uk.